0: our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Well, thank you for joining us tonight live on New Year's Eve, just a few hours before the start of 2024, for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program with our host, Pastor Matthew Recker. <clears throat> Excuse me. My name is Micah, and I'm the ministry assistant at Heritage, and tonight. We continue our on-air Bible study in the book of Romans. If you would like to call us and tell us what your New Year's resolution is, or if you would like prayer or have questions, you can give us a call at 929-333-3739. Pastor Matt, Happy New Year. Today in church, you didn't share a resolution with us, but you did actually share your theme verse for 2024
1: absolutely thank you micah and happy new year to you and it's been a real blessing to be on the heritage faith conversations with you throughout the year Mm -hmm. and boy these years just simply fly (laughs) and we trust that we've been a blessing also to our listeners and and we'd love to hear from them tonight maybe Mm. they could just call in and share how the program has been a blessing or and maybe how they've been encouraged we'd love to hear from them or if they have any prayers or needs, we'd love to pray with them as they go into the new year as well. So listeners, please feel free to call us at 929-333-3739. And I I will answer your question, but it's great that we have a listener with us for many years Mm -hmm. listening to our program, and now this evening, Stephanie is one of our call screeners. So isn't that neat that there could be a listener out there tonight? that we don't know maybe you'll visit our church and you'll be a call screener with us one day i know that would be yeah, awesome that yeah. would be awesome so dear friends we want to be an encouragement to you but Mike, I did share a theme verse for the year. It's in Luke chapter 14, Mm -hmm. where the Lord told the disciples through this parable to go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And he said, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. And so from that, I thought of a theme of outreach to the streets and how the Lord said, go out into the streets, go out into the highways and into the hedges and bring people in that the house of God will be filled. And. And so, dear friends, that's the heart of our church, and that's going to be our theme for the year. We're going to have a special, a few special outreaches, especially during Resurrection Day or before Resurrection Day and before other events of our church to really try to go out into the streets of our community sharing the gospel that people know. Of who Jesus is. Mm, That's awesome, yeah. yeah.
0: And there are people on the streets. You know, we live in a city that is full of people. And, you know, I've heard it said, you know, if God loves people, then he must love New York City because there's a lot of people. (laughs) That's right. And he does love us, dear friends.
1: He loves every soul in New York City. As the song says, red or yellow, black or white, all are precious in his sight. And our great God has created all nations, all creation, and his love is for whosoever. Mm. And that means you. Um, Yeah, and speaking of going out into the streets, we we go out into the streets in a way every Tuesday. If you're ever at Grand Central Station, go down and you can meet us there on most Tuesdays. And we'll be there this coming Tuesday at Grand Central Station. We pass out gospel tracts from about 2 p.m. to about 3.15, a group from our church. And so pray that the Lord would use us in the heart of Manhattan dear friends. And we're glad tonight also to have a dear brother back with us, Raul. And your wife is here doing the call screening. So, Raul, welcome back to the Heritage of Faith Conversations tonight.
2: Thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much for having my wife and I here today.
1: And praise the Lord for your faithfulness through the year and your wonderful service in our church now as a deacon in our church and also a student in our Heritage Discipleship Institute. And we trust and pray, Raul, that you're, you, you've been growing in the Lord.
2: I have for the Lord's honor and glory, and thank you so much for uh, being such a big part of that.
1: And we are excited, friends, tonight to look into a powerful and wonderful and loved passage of Scripture that goes right to the heart of salvation in Romans chapter 10. So, dear friends, we're going to look tonight in Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 13, and and see that we have no excuse but to call on the name of the Lord. We have no excuse but to believe on Him because, as it says in this passage, whosoever believeth in Him Mm. shall not be ashamed, and whosoever will call on Him shall be saved. And so the message really is, what's your excuse we don't have an excuse but we'll look at some excuses that people make but we'll read tonight romans chapter 10 verses 1 through 13 and brother Owl if you could start us off tonight
2: romans chapter 10 verse 1 will do brethren my heart's desire and prayer to god for israel is that they might be saved for i bear them record that they have a zeal of god but not according to knowledge for they being ignorant of god's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God.
0: For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above? Or, Who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring up Christ again from the dead? But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith, which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth
1: confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, and let's pray tonight.
2: Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Almighty God, for this wonderful opportunity, Lord, to be here on the air tonight, Father, to share from your precious gospel, Lord. And Father, we thank you, Lord, because as so many, Lord, have traveled from around the world, Lord, to assemble right here in New York City, Lord, to watch that ball drop tonight, Father, for what is called the biggest New Year's Eve party, Lord, in the world, Father. I thank you, Lord, that no matter where we find ourselves at this moment, Lord, in our homes, in our car, in our jobs, Lord, wherever we may be, Lord, you are there, Father. And, Lord, you can give us, Father, the ultimate renewal, Lord. You can save us, Father. And, Lord, we thank you for that, Lord, because you are near, Father. So, Lord, bless our time together, Father. I pray for every listener, O oh God, that they would be edified, Father. And, again, Lord, we thank you for this time, and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen.
1: Amen. amen. Dear friends, the book of Romans is about the righteousness of God. The gospel of God is the righteousness of God of God. And the way to become righteous before God is to believe on Christ, who died for us, was buried, and rose again. And this gospel of God's righteousness is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel cleanses the believing heart from sin, transforms the soul, changes the life, and opens the door to heaven. Dear friends, have you called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? This is our desire for you as you come to the end of the year. If you have been saved, just shout it out. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord, Mm. that I know you. If you've not been saved, call upon him now. And if we could help you, if you're like the Ethiopian eunuch who said, How can I accept some man should guide me? That's why we're here, and that's why we're live on this New Year's Eve of 2023. For you to call us at 929 333 3739. You know, Micah, there are more and more people saying that they're spiritual, mm-hmm. but they have no church affiliations. Right. Mm-hmm. More and more people are suspicious of organized religion can you imagine somebody would think our little little church <laughs> you know <laughs> is a or is a part of organized religion yeah. i mm-hmm. think we're more like disorganized religion sometimes <laughs> but you know people are suspicious of attending church and don't want to submit to spiritual authority they mm-hmm. want to do their own thing and i can sympathize with that actually mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but what can we say to someone out there? who may be listening who may say yeah I love Jesus but I don't want to be a part you know of any church or they're suspicious of churches well mm-hmm. what would you say to someone like that
0: well I would say that God is a god of relationship um you know even in the trinity we see God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit and so he had relationship even among the trinity before he even created man but he created man to have relationship yeah, with him and good. with each other and so if we think that we can be an island off by ourselves, loving the Lord, reading the Bible by ourselves, we're not actually doing what God created us to do, and he created us to have relationships. Yeah. And, you know, Raul, do you feel that
1: as well, that sometimes people really kind of just fear going into a church because they don't want anyone really telling them how to live, especially in a place where, you know, the church is known for being a place of hypocrites, you know. <laughs> and then why should a hypocrite judge me as well? You know, some people have that, and I can sympathize with that. But what 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 do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest barriers is I think every human being at some point suffers from the issue of uh, self-righteousness. And so, you know, people sometimes fear because it comes down to submission. And people can become very comfortable with their own form or their system of uh, a religious, you know, excuse me, yeah. of like religious views. Yeah. Uh, if the exterior looks good, and as long as I'm comfortable and I'm not hurting anyone, and I basically do good, then then I'm okay. And and I think that's the biggest problem that that we're facing.
1: Yes. You know, the thing is, w- too, why people often accuse the church of being full of hypocrites is because the church is full of hypocrites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In the sense that, look at our standard. Yeah. Our standard is absolute perfection. Mm-hmm. And so we stand up there preaching absolute perfection, and none of us are. Right. So there is a sense where we all come short of mm-hmm. the standard to which we aspire. And then... And it's true, like you come into a church, and then there's such a thing as church discipline. So the, the same church where nobody's perfect can still judge me. Mm-hmm. And so it is a little bit intimidating and fearful and different. I say this as a pastor. I certainly understand. But I also would say we all need spiritual accountability, and we all need, as you said well, Micah, face-to-face encouragement and fellowship. God made us for this fellowship of a local church, just as much as he made us to be in a family, an earthly family, and when we were born, we all had a mother and father, but he also made us for a church family, a Mm -hmm. spiritual family. So, dear friends, again, if you maybe, and I say this because there are a lot of people who are using this idea that the church is judgmental and hypocritical, to just avoid it altogether, mm-hmm. and the number of nuns—they say that—and not nuns like priests and nuns, n o n e s. In other words, I'm I'm nothing. I'm not going anywhere. No
0: religion. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's increasing mm-hmm. in America yeah. as we become more post-Christian, more anti-Christ in American culture. But dear friends, if you're a Christian. If you say the Bible is the Word of God and Jesus Christ is Lord, now's the time to stand up. Mm -hmm. Now's the time to come and take your stand in a local church, such as Heritage Baptist Church, as a Bible-believing church, and we do welcome you. And we need you to come to our church just as much as you need a church. The church needs you, dear friends, as well. So give us a call if we can help you, if we can pray with you. Maybe you've had a difficult year and you're looking for God's blessings into the 2024 year. Give us a call right now at 929-333-3739. Okay, so this evening we want to get into Romans chapter 10. And verses 1 through 3, Raul, kind of summarizes a primary excuse that people give to reject the salvation that God offers. They reject God's righteousness because many people say, well, I'm already zealous for God. Mm -hmm. I already have my own religion and knowledge of God. I I have my own way and I sincerely believe it. And so, why is this easy for religious people to say this about themselves? Because Paul's here dealing, right, with Israel. Mm -hmm. And he's saying... That he wants them to be saved in verse 1. My prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. But then in verse 2 he's saying, I bear them record they have a zeal for God. So he's saying literally they had a zeal for God. But they weren't saved, mm-hmm. because their zeal was not according to the, no- the true knowledge of God, and they were ignorant of God's righteousness. So that kind of summarizes these verses, Raul. But, but what do we say to people who say, I have my own religion, I sincerely believe it, leave me alone?
2: Yep. <laughs> you know? Well, it's a common reply that we get from people when we evangelize today. And yes, Paul is clearly dealing here with national Israel, so that is important to establish. And you know, the Jews of Paul's day... Um, you know, many, not all, but a, a great deal of them had a religious system that was based on externals. It's almost like a checklist. And if I do this and my tradition calls for this and I go and perform this ritual or this ceremony, I am right with God. And they mm-hmm. had a particular passion for that. They were very devout of that. But of course, that would not lead uh, to any uh, righteousness. And so Paul addresses that. We see Christ uh, in Matthew um, re- rebuking some of the Jews for that in twenty three uh, twenty five, for ye may clean the outside of the dish and of the platter but within are full of extortion and excess and so none yeah. of these religious things even if we do them today and go down to this checklist and you know what you know I, I go to church once a month or once a week or whatever the case is or it's a seasonal thing um, you know it does not equate to righteousness on the inside which only God can give.
1: Yeah, many people have a zeal for God without the true knowledge of God. And in order to be saved, you must know who the true God is and call upon the true God in sincere truth. Mm-hmm. Micah?
0: Yeah, well, I think one other application, even that we see today, one phenomenon we see is that as biblical Christianity has been fading in America over the decades, you know, Americans still have almost like a religious zeal inside them to believe in something or stand for something. Pastor, you mentioned earlier that people just describe themselves as spiritual but not religious. But another way that we see it working itself out is in the form of social justice. You know, this movement, it's almost a religious movement. And, you know, all of the trend causes that fall under that umbrella. Now, in the true sense, social justice, it's a wonderful thing. The Lord calls for its implementation in Scripture over and over. I think of Isaiah 61, verse 8, which tells us that the Lord loves justice. But (laughs) the world's version of social justice, which prompts masses of people to march in the streets, it's really been completely separated from biblical justice, and it's actually just been twisted into a counterfeit, almost a counterfeit religion. And so we see people marching, protesting, or giving money to these causes that are actually opposed to God's righteousness and morality. And in many cases, these groups have something like a religious zeal against God himself.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Micah, that is so well said and again what what i find in this passage is paul's burden is for israel being a jew in his ethnic dis- background mm-hmm. but really israel is really just an example of the whole human race mm-hmm. yeah. in other words that they had a religion but their religion did not was not founded upon a true knowledge of god and therefore they were lost mm-hmm. and that would that's the condition of really the entire world because if you when you go to a museum, you always find in those museums all kinds of idols, you know, mm-hmm. totem poles. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Indian totem pole. What is that? Yeah. Those are like idols, yeah. religious idols. They didn't do them as art, <laughs> the way that we think of art. Yeah, they were yeah. idols. And, you know, when I think of people zealous, I think of when Elijah was on Mount, Mount Carmel and mm-hmm. those prophets of Baal, they were literally cutting them, themselves, jumping on the altar, calling down fire, willing to die in that fire, mm-hmm. and they were cutting themselves, and the blood was gushing out, it says, yeah. in that in that passage mm-hmm. when Elijah did call down the fire of God from heaven. And so to me, I mean, that's sincerity. Yeah, zeal, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a tremendous zeal. Yeah. But a zeal without true righteousness in Jesus Christ, a zeal without truly confessing Jesus as, as your Lord, dear friends, will not save you. And boy, our culture is very zealous. It's mm-hmm. true. You mentioned about social justice. and They're very zealous about that. But people need Jesus. So as we move into verses 4 and 5 of Romans chapter 10, Paul says that Christ is the end of the law mm-hmm. for righteousness to everyone that believes. And Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. So what does, what does he mean? when he says that Christ is the end of righteousness. That's a very interesting expression, isn't it? And mm-hmm.
0: What does this mean, and who is this righteousness for? Yeah, so this phrase in verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law, it re- really would have been a shock to yeah. any observer of the Mosaic Law in the first century who was reading this, and I think that's why Paul sort of goes over this point again and again in the book of Romans. He comes at it from different angles. And I looked up the word end in the Greek, and the word can mean termination or the limit at which a thing ceases to be. And that is one way that this word is being used here. Because of Christ, the law now ceases to be. But the word end can also mean that it's this, the end which all things relate, the aim, the purpose. So in this sense, Christ is the end of the law, meaning he is the ultimate purpose and the aim of the law so let me say it like this if we drove from New York City to Orlando you know we'd follow I would follow the GPS you know on my phone the directions and then the signs the street signs along the way and eventually we get to Florida and the point and purpose of our trip was not the signs or the directions but it was our eventual destination so The 613 commandments contained within the Torah, in the law, in one sense, they can be looked at almost like directions, but the destination is Christ. So Paul is saying that once Christ came, we no longer needed the directions to him in the same way, like the Mosaic law. Now we just need to accept him and take on his righteousness which otherwise we could never have achieved.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's excellent. As it even says in verse 3, that people go about to establish their own righteousness. I was just thinking, too, about what you were saying about our own culture of many of these spiritual N-O-N-E-S nuns. Mm -hmm. And they are seeking to establish their own righteousness, let's say, well— I mean, climate change, we're all going to die, you know, yeah. if we keep driving SUVs. So I'm not going to buy a car uh-huh. in, in order to, to minimize, you know, uh, the damage to the ozone layer. And that makes me – that's my righteousness. Right. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sacrificing buying a car. Mm-hmm. Or uh, I, I believe that everyone can have their own choice of of their personal identity. And so if my friend seeks to identify as a cat, mm-hmm. I will – a meow to them now, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and communicate to my friend who is identifying as a cat. Yeah. And I will, I will accept that and and pretend like that's just fine and, and that's my righteousness now. Right. And right. That's, that's kind of what is, is happening today in our own culture. Yeah. But Paul's saying we don't get to chan- establish our own righteousness. We right. don't establish the rules by which we become righteous. Mm-hmm. The only way to become righteous is through the one who kept God's law Mm -hmm. without sin, and that's Jesus Christ. He is the only one who met the just demands and fulfilled a perfect life of obedience to the law, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. The law says, do this and you'll live, and none of us have done it. Right. Therefore none of us deserve life, yeah. but Jesus does.
0: Yeah, and pastor, uh as you're talking before about the things that, you know, if I do this it's my righteousness, if I do that it's my righteousness. There's there's even a term it's virtue signaling, you know, and you can see it especially on social media, you know, anytime there's a new cause that's the big trend, you know, somebody posts a flag of that country or, you know, some sort yeah. of comment or meme relating back to that sort of thing and it like it gives them this sense that they've attained the righteousness because they're on the right side of that issue. And so, in yeah. a way, it's like fulfilling this need for religion in their lives when Paul says it so clearly that only Christ, only taking on his righteousness, can you truly have what you need.
1: Yeah, and you know, recently I preached in the book of I'm preaching in the book of Acts on Wednesday night. I was in Acts chapter 17. You don't think the people of Athens thought they were righteous in themselves. Yeah, They had idols all over that city. Mm-hmm. And they even had an idol, just in case they missed the true <laughs> God, they had an idol to the unknown, unknown God. God. Uh-huh. And Paul then preaches Christ to them, and he says, all the times of your ignorance, God winked at. Him. And I think that is one of the most bold statements of Paul in the New Testament, because he was in Athens where the great philosophers mm-hmm ruled in their thinking and and shaped an entire culture you know the Mm -hmm. whole greek empire plato and aristotle and and socrates and paul basically summarizes the philosophies of men as saying a time of ignorance (laughs) but god has ordained that there is one man who is raised from the dead Mm -hmm. who will judge you in righteousness and his name is jesus christ Mm. so dear friends do you know him And we really want you to be sure of that tonight. And that's why we're here. And again, if you have any questions about your salvation or you want us to pray, maybe you have a loved one you would like for us to pray for with you. Give us a call at 929-333-3739. So now we go into this very interesting passage of Scripture, Raul, in verses 6 and 7. A second reason, a second excuse, if you will, a first excuse is people say, hey, I have my own religion and sincerely believe it. Leave me alone. Another excuse people give, based on these verses, and I'll read Romans chapter 10 and verses 6 and 7, where Paul says, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or, who shall descend into the deep? That is, to bring up Christ again from the dead. Now, these verses are <laughs> somewhat challenging, yeah, mm-hmm. but what we have to do, Raul, is go back into Deuteronomy chapter 30, and if you could read that in just a moment, verses 12 and 13. But the excuse I see from these verses is simply this. People say, I cannot believe what I have not seen. Haven't mm-hmm. we all heard that? Yeah. If I can't see it, I won't believe it. With I have to see it with my eyes. Seeing is believing. If Jesus is alive, show me. And so, Roel, let's go into this excuse. And can you share it? Deuteronomy 30, verses 12 and 13? And, and what's the point of Paul bringing these verses into this conversation?
2: Absolutely. <clears throat> Pardon me. And as Paul uh, goes back in referencing Deuteronomy, we find here in chapter 30 where it is written, It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? And just verse 14, but the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. And so people start to overcomplicate things in the excuse of, well, I can't believe because I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. And there's a litany, you know, of rituals and, and all sorts of things. Well, you know what? Do I have to go up to heaven and see Christ there? Mm-hmm. Uh Do I have to go to the mm-hmm. depths of the realm of the dead? You know, some like the supernatural things I have to check off. Yeah. And there's two important things uh, to see here. One, this all begins with a heart condition. It all begins in the heart, because Mm -hmm. if we're going to try to reason on our own understanding and our own knowledge Mm -hmm. in our hearts, absent God's word, well, you know what? Then we're going to be lost, sadly, uh, forever. Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. And, uh, you know, Paul also uh, brings out the point that God is near. Okay, so, you know, God is wherever you are. And you don't have to overcomplicate it, you know, and, and so that, that's important uh, to note.
1: Yeah, in other words, and, and you said it well, we don't have to be some kind of a mystical traveler or have some kind of a mystical experience or have some kind of mystical journey. In other words, we don't have to go into heaven and, and to, to say, OK, yes, I know there's a heaven. And that we don't have to be a time traveler to go back in time, to have been there when Christ was was raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. And as Paul is really saying, or quoting these verses, and as Moses is writing in these verses, he's 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 saying that we don't have to go up into heaven to find the Word of God. Mm-hmm. We don't have to go across the sea to find the Word of God. Mm-hmm. God's Word is right here. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I think it's really interesting that um, Paul, you know, he's quoting these verses mm-hmm. in Deuteronomy and those. Verses, they were talking about the law. Now, Paul is applying them to Christ. He's saying the Mm. exact same thing, but about Christ. So, Moses was saying in Deuteronomy that unlike, you know, the hundreds of years prior to the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, it was now here and one could grasp it and trust that following the law was God's will. One didn't need to search high or low, essentially going to the furthest and even impossible locations to find the law. So, Paul is saying the same thing about Jesus Christ. One can neither go up to heaven or go back in time, as you just said, Pastor, in order to attain belief, we don't need to. There's plenty of evidence for Christ, but the most important ingredient for belief, as Raoul said, is an open heart. And it was interesting. I looked back earlier in that uh, chapter of Deuteronomy, and Moses points out the importance of the posture of, heart, of the heart even in that chapter. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, it says, "...and the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart." And the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. So the important Mm. ingredient is not the historical evidence, the archaeological evidence, looking back, doing all your research, checking off all your boxes. The important element is the posture of the heart. Yes. Mm -hmm. Roll? Amen.
2: Yeah. Amen. And so Micah's point, the posture of the heart, of course, shaped by the word of God. And you know, Pastor, you know, it breaks my heart because if you look over these days, uh, the, the bestsellers of quote unquote the Christian books of today mm-hmm. a lot of it is about heavenly tourism all sorts of people mm-hmm. are making these yeah. purported trips to heaven, hell mm-hmm. listen I'm I'm 46 years old I remember as a child when Mary Kay Baxter uh, came out with a divine revelation of hell divine revelation of heaven I mean it's just incredible how people will turn to these things mm-hmm. seeking these almost like out of body experiences and some sort of passport mm-hmm. to get to heaven when we have the word of God right here mm-hmm. in the Holy Scripture so accessible to us in paper form it's on your phone you know and, and it really is just heartbreaking how, how people are so confused about these things
1: and you know this is an amazing question that paul asks in verse six when he says who shall ascend into heaven mm-hmm. and the answer for that is actually in john chapter three no man hath ascended up to heaven, hmm. but he that came down from heaven. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. So the only one we need to ascend into heaven is Jesus Christ, who is yeah. in heaven today, dear friends. Mm-hmm. You don't have to ascend into heaven to know that he is there, because the Scripture says he is. It's up to us to believe. And then the question, who shall descend into the deep? That is, who descended into the heart of the earth dead? Mm. Jesus Christ, (laughs) and he rose again. So we don't have to bring up Christ from the dead again. You don't have to go back in time to know that he's alive. You could read your Bible and realize that he is alive. And even the disciples who did not believe in him were convinced that he was alive when they put their hands into his side and their hands into his hand, and they knew. And that's why I love when Jesus told Thomas, Because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen me and yet have believed. Mm. And so that goes right to us, right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus is saying that the vast number of people who will be saved are the ones who have never seen him. Yeah. But we believe that he's alive. Okay, so we're going to go to a beautiful song about the Word of God, and we're going to talk about the Word of Faith and what the Word of Faith movement is and what the Word of Faith actually is as we continue our conversation in Romans chapter 10. And dear friend, we want to encourage you to give us a call right now at 929-333-3739. I know someone out there needs prayer. You've had a tough year, but you need somebody to just lift your burden with you. Give us a call right now, 929-333-3739.
3: The rains bring the water to the earth that is thirsty.
1: There is power in the word of God. It does not return empty or void. And our call to you is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as revealed in the word of God that he is Lord. He is he's the one who was crucified for your sins. He suffered in your place. He died the death you deserve and then he rose again. And we'll see in a moment. How we can have true salvation. But Micah, before we get to that, in Romans chapter 10, verse 8, Paul says, But what saith it? What saith the scripture, in other words? And he's really quoting, he's continuing to quote, as Raoul read earlier from Deuteronomy chapter 30. He says, The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now, this little expression, word of faith, has been lifted out of its context and falsely interpreted by so-called prosperity gospel preachers. And this little phrase has been just literally isolated from the text and the context of this passage and abused and misused by the word of faith. Now it's even called the Word of Faith movement. So since we're here in the text and we see this phrase, let's talk about this movement. And how is this phrase, Word of Faith, wrongly interpreted by the prosperity gospel preachers
0: yeah well the word of faith movement it has nothing to do with paul's words here (laughs) in this verse (laughs) but instead it's really an unbiblical system of belief that is sadly really it's very attractive to people you know it's often referred to as you said pastor the prosperity gospel or the health and wealth gospel and You know, the biggest Christian church in America subscribes to this teaching. As do many of the Christian television. And you're talking about Joel Joel Osteen's church down there in um, Houston. Um, And essentially, the teaching is that Christianity supposedly gives us the power of God to name it and claim it. So, speaking words that will create the reality of prosperity in our lives. Usually in the areas of health and wealth. And, you know, I'll just say that there was one leader of one of these churches actually this week that was kicked out of his church and. To me, I've seen, you know, I've been looking into churches like this for a long time, and I've seen that it's a real pattern where, you know, a church is, you know, they they focus on this health and wealth, they focus on the prosperity gospel, they're not focused so much on righteous living and holy living, and guess what, their leaders are then caught up in sin. Um, and, I, you know, I just think that's one of the reasons why. But the most obvious red flag here, you know, is that, This is not what we see in the Bible. We don't see the apostles or Paul believing in, like, name it and claim it, health and wealth. You know, the most spiritually mature New Testament believers, you know, those who even wrote the Bible, they were not rich. You know, they sometimes faced major health problems, and they were often, of course, persecuted unto death. So, you know, I just think if the apostles could have simply spoken perfect health over themselves, then no one would have ever gotten their head cut off. Um, No, what Paul is talking about here when he says the word of faith is simply the word of God, essentially the good news, and the song that you just played spoke about the true word of faith.
1: Yeah, and the New Age movement has this similar idea. Uh I used to see bumper stickers, visualize world peace. In other words, if you just visualize it and name it, yeah. it can it can come to pass mm-hmm. and it's this metaphysical new age concept and so what these word of faith preachers are actually doing is taking this pagan idea of visualizing your wealth and health and then confessing it a positive confession of it, and then, then claiming it before it's even yours, mm. and you become God. Mm-hmm. You become God, which is basically the New Age movement that yeah. that God is in you. You just have to awaken the God that is in you. That mm-hmm. all all of us are gods. Right. And men like Kenneth Hagin and Kenneth Copeland and Creflo Dollar, they even say things like this: that you're a little Messiah, you're a little God, and and really in this prosperity gospel message, the danger of it is you become God. Yeah, And God is not sovereign. You can create your own world by words of your confession. Mm-hmm. And so your word becomes the word of faith rather than the word of God. Yeah. So, Raul, I know that you were also raised in a a form of Pentecostalism, and I don't know if it was a full-blown word of faith, but teaching, but what is your thoughts about this?
2: Yeah, Pastor, you hit it on the nose, uh, and and also as Michael was saying, sadly, and I I was raised in that system, and uh, although not everybody necessarily subscribes to it or to every detail of it, but even then, uh, that's what the word of faith was. So you take, when Paul is referring to the word as Scripture, as the Bible, Mm -hmm. the definitive, authoritative word of God... In that system, you replace it with what you say. And as you said, you then, you're essentially trying to rob God of his sovereignty. You know, I have the word and the word assures me that my God, the Lord is with me through everything, through good health, through bad health, through good financial times, through bad financial times. And I depend solely on him. And at the end of the day, I thank the Lord because my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But... Uh, The name it and claim it is just that. You name it, you say it, Mm. and it's what you say. God has to do what you dictate.
1: Yeah, and not to just keep beating on this, but I I just want to say this. is And here's the danger of the Word of Faith movement as well, is they say just as God created the world with his word, God in the beginning spoke, let there be light. Let the the earth come forth, and you know, and so forth. And God spoke, and it was. Mm-hmm. So they they say you speak your own world mm-hmm. into existence. Yeah. That is that is just so dangerous mm-hmm. and anti God, anti Christian, yeah. and
0: yet they they cloak it with Christian terminology, and it's dangerous. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's really not that different than somebody who says, oh, you know, like, put that out there into the universe, and it's going to come back <laughs> yeah. to you. Uh, about a decade ago, there was a big book called The Secret. You know, people mm-hmm. like Oprah Winfrey were talking about it, where it was basically, it's the secret. The secret is, you put it out there, you say it, you believe it, you visualize it, and you're going to get it. So, really, as you said, Pastor, this is just a Christian version of a very New Age concept.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, let's then talk about what the word of faith actually means here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, Raul, um, where Paul says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, so here's the word of faith, confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So this verse kind of begins a passage that culminates what we often term the Romans road, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13, which puts God's salvation plan in in clear language. So by the clear language of Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, Raul, is being saved? Because we we're talking about this. Is, do you have to like go up to heaven to find the word? Do you have to go down into the depth to find the word? Is salvation something far away? Is it too confusing it to or difficult to understand? What does Romans chapter ten verse nine say about the clarity of salvation?
2: No, salvation is not difficult to understand, and that's just so something that's so hopeful that we glean here from this wonderful portion of uh, of scripture and. It's not difficult. You shouldn't overcomplicate it, folks. And listen, it begins with God. Confess. Believe. You have to believe. You believe and you ask the Lord to change you because you need that change. He will change your life. Mm-hmm. And once you call out to him and he is near, folks, wherever you are right now, he is right there and you can call out to him. And once you believe, then you will confess that Jesus is Lord. You you can't help it. And it will follow Folks. Today is my fifth New Year's, Pastor, uh, that I'm not, you, for people that know me, I was a severe alcoholic. This is, to God's honor and glory, my fifth New Year, that oh, I, by this God, point in time, I would have been soaked wow. in alcohol. I would have been yeah. unconscious probably by the ball drop. You know what? I called out to God. And I thank the Lord that I serve in a church where we have individuals. I mean, we have a brother in church who called out to God after more than a decade in prison. Mm, And that mm -hmm. brother is today living Mm, for the Lord. He didn't have to go through and he is on fire for God. Uh, And so, folks, the Lord is near. Call to him. He is right there.
1: Yeah, I'm sure there's people out there getting ready for that ball to drop and starting your night of drinking, but you're somehow listening to us. If we could pray with you, call us right now at 929 333 3739.
0: Yeah, Pastor, we've been going through the book of Romans now for about 10 months. And so, you know, just based on that fact, we know there's a lot to unpack as we go through and there's so much to look into and study. And some of Paul's words, you know, they require. A lot of thought, um, you know, referencing other scriptures in the Old Testament and the New Testament for thorough understanding. But I love that within this complicated book there's a simple gospel presentation called the romans road and it's it's really the simplest description of it is it's a sequence of verses that cover the essential elements of the gospel and i've used the romans road multiple times and i have the verses marked in my bible so that i can find them fast as i go through it with somebody and you know if you're a christian out there and you're not familiar with the romans road i encourage you to become Familiar with it. Maybe even that's one of your New Year's resolutions. And I recommend having it as a tool in your back pocket, so to speak, for when God gives you an opportunity to evangelize. No, maybe it's not what you always use, maybe it's not even what you usually use, but it's a good tool to have where you can point somebody who doesn't know the basics of the gospel presentation, you can just point to the six or seven verses.
1: Yeah, I remember when I was first saved and my pastor would give an invitation and some people would go forward and they would go into a back room and mm-hmm. I was like, wow, what, what's going on back there? What are oh, they doing? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I asked somebody after the service, I was like, what do they talk about when they go back there, you know, in that, in that yeah. little room? He said, oh, we go through the Romans road that 's the first time I heard of the romans road i 'm yeah. like romans what uh-huh. He like, oh yeah, the romans road <laughs> I was like, so so that was my so maybe we 're saying it tonight, and people have no idea right like yeah. so they don 't know what we 're talking about we 're talking about that line of verses in the book of Romans, Romans three ten and verse three, and verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter five, verse eight, that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. In Romans six, 23, the, the wages of, of sin is death and hell. And now this is the culmination. Okay. So we know we're sinners. We know Christ died for us. We know the penalty for sin is death. So what must we do with that? We must confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. And this is why Jehovah Witnesses cannot be saved. Mm. And they have, you have to believe in the Lord Jesus. Mm. You must believe in the true person of Christ, that he is God. And then you must believe in the true work of Christ, that God hath raised him from the dead. And I like, I mean, not I don't like, I love what Paul says, mm. thou shalt, shalt be saved. Not You can maybe <laughs> hope to be If your good outweighs your bad. No, it's not about our good outweighing our bad, dear friends. It's about trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, and we shall be saved. Mm, Amen. And so, Micah, as we go from verse 9 then into verse 10, upon the same thought of the simplicity of salvation, what can we say to those who do desire to enter into this new year sure of salvation, but not convinced
0: that they can be sure? Yeah, well, there's two main elements of Romans 10.10, 10, belief and confession, and it really is that simple. Romans 10.10, 10, I'll read it. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Now, the belief must be an honest belief deep in a person's heart that they you know, there may be people out there in some of these uh, word of faith, you know, for instance, congregations, and they don't actually have a heart belief, you know. But if one does, then they are brought into the righteousness of Christ. And that's a standing that no one could achieve otherwise, as we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And then when the person confesses Jesus Christ and his gospel with their mouths, the Bible says they are saved. So there's lots of people who struggle with this assurance of their salvation. And Paul lays it out here so simply it's almost like citizenship. You know, I know people who've come into this country and they jump through the hoops they have to jump to in the citizen process, and they they took the basic American history and civics test, and then they become citizens. You know, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for them to go around after that constantly questioning their citizenship. Well, Paul is saying, in effect, you are now a citizen of heaven, and you don't have to keep questioning and wondering about that status. So I suppose that one of the main reasons people do struggle, though, with this assurance is because they're not able to live a sinless life once they become Christians. But, you know, all you need to do is knock, knock down that fear, go back to Romans 7.15, where Paul explains so clearly that even for himself, salvation does not equal sinlessness. And again, salvation is when we take on Christ's righteousness. And
1: don't be confused by these terms when Paul says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Really, righteousness and salvation are synonymous terms Mm. because sin is our problem, a lack of righteousness. Okay. It is sin that keeps us out of heaven. Mm -hmm. So if we have righteousness, we have salvation. Mm. And Paul is quoting a lot from Isaiah in here. And this reminds me of the very language Isaiah uses. For example, in Isaiah fifty-one, he says, "My righteousness is near; my salvation is gone forth." Hmm. Two terms, but really the same meaning. Okay. Righteousness mm-hmm. and salvation hmm. are one and the same, dear friends. And this is the problem. This is what Paul. This is the whole. This is the culmination, really, of from Romans chapter one going through chapter two and three. That there is none righteous, and it's the gospel is the way to, it's through the gospel that we are righteous in God's sight. And so here he says when we simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and believe and call upon him in in that faith of the heart, we're saved. That's the word of faith. The word of faith that you need is to believe on the Lord Mm. and confess Jesus as Lord from your heart, raised from the dead. That's the word of faith, dear friends. And if we could help you again, our... Time is almost out tonight, so we give you this number to call right now. Right now, give us a call at 929-333-3739. So, Raul, as we close up these verses, someone may still be thinking, but what if I'm not the elect, you know? Based upon these verses in Romans chapter 10, 11-13, and we've quoted them a few times already tonight, who is God's salvation available for?
2: Praise the Lord. Salvation is available for everyone. And that means you who are listening, my friend, if you are not saved, uh, you know, the the Bible said the Lord says the Bible says vengeance is mine. saith the Lord I, I wish I could point to a singular verse as election is mine. But you know what we are? He says mine elect. So, folks, let's not get confused on that. If you believe you are part of the elect, election is God's work. And we leave that up to him. And don't let it confuse you. Don't let it distract you. Yeah. Call out to him. Call out to him right now. If you were not elect, you could not believe.
1: There is no social class either. There is no ethnicity. There is no nation. There is no language that one can speak that you cannot call upon the name of the Lord. Because he says there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. The Jew is are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Greeks are everyone else, okay? (laughs) So, so dear friends, God is no respecter of
0: persons. Mm -hmm. You can call on him. Yeah, I think, you know, we all know people who at one point we thought that they would never be saved, but then miraculously and eventually they do become saved. And, you know, we all may know other people or we've heard stories where someone is so hardened against the gospel and then maybe toward the end of their lives, they crack and fall in love with the Lord and So I would just encourage our listeners not to spend too much time focused on election, wondering if so-and-so is elect or not, and just love people with the love of Christ and spread the seed of the gospel like the farmer did in the parable of the sower. And I agree with you, Pastor and Raul. Um, You know, if someone's worried about their own election, in fact— They, you know, that shows us that they're in fact open to the gospel and that they should rightly assume that they are elect. And, you know, I'm going to go back to Genesis 12 verse 3 that tells us that all the families of the earth would be blessed by the seed of Abraham. So I see no other reading of that verse than to say that each person on the planet from every family has the same opportunity to accept the sacrifice of Jesus and the same opportunity for salvation.
1: Absolutely, dear friends, notice the language of this text. Whosoever believeth on him. Verse number 12. The the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I heard it once said, you have to go in... Isaiah 53, verse 6, as the first all, as a sheep who have gone astray. And you have to come out of Isaiah 53 as the second all, believing that on Christ all your iniquity was laid. And he will be rich to you. As you close this year, just call upon him and say, Dear Lord God of heaven, bless me now and into the year ahead i call upon you lord jesus you're the savior of the world you died for me on the cross you rose again from the dead you're coming king of kings and lord of lords thank you lord for bringing me through this year and bless 2024 bless you micah Raul, thank you for being with us. Come visit us
0: at Heritage Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website hbcnyc.org And join us again next Sunday at 6pm for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then, rejoice in the Lord.